Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Utah Street South. My name is Jared Pinder, your your local Orioles fan and minor league lover. Today with me, I have, of course, my good friend, Eric Garfield. Eric, how are we feeling on this lovely Friday night? I'm doing great. A lot of uh, fun Oriole things to talk about throughout the minors from this week and uh, for the next couple weeks ahead of us. So I'm, uh, I'm pumped to get started. Yeah, so without hesitation, let's begin. And I think we got to start this show all today with a bomb and let's get right into into the dirty work and let's talk about the the situation of the Adley Rushman call-up now many people including myself if you listen to last week's episode were into Adley Rush were in were buying into the fact that this would be the week that Adley Rushman would make his major league debut it all kind of, it all kind of uh, lined up in my head. I, you know, like I, I gave a reasoning in last week's episode. You can go and watch that week's episode if you want my full thoughts. But basically, I there were things that I was looking at that kind of said that well, this has got to be the week he debuts. Long story short, it does not happen. He is been with, he's stayed with the AAA Tides. Um, he has gone on a road trip with them to Charlotte, North Carolina to play the Charlotte Knights. And at the end of the day, he is not with the Orioles. So, Eric, really quickly, um, just your overall thoughts of Abby Rushman not getting called up this week. Oh, uh, I'm very uh, – it's not a priority for me. I definitely don't care. Uh, I – pay attention to the Orioles minor leagues a lot, but uh, I can understand why it's not happening and why it hasn't happened. I most certainly prioritize the part of his career when he plays for the Orioles, not the date that he debuts for the Orioles. I understand how it's a milestone marker, but I guess the way that I think about it is, like if I go out to eat at a restaurant and the food does not come out exactly how I like, I don't turn myself into a chef and then try to create the food myself. I'm not an Orioles front office exec. So whatever they're doing, I'll trust them to do it right and get Adley to the majors when he's all the way ready and he'll be a good player when, when he gets there. So date, not a priority for me. How about you? Yeah. Um, as I said last week, um, I didn't really care when it was going to happen Right. It was. It, it's always going to be, and that's I think the beautiful thing about this, Eric, is that it. There is no okay. Well, like when is it going to happen? Like, is it is it going to happen at all? I think the beautiful thing is that it's going to happen at some point, right. and whether or not it happens, you know, today, tomorrow, Monday. At, at the end of the day, you know, I just. I don't really care. I know at some point this year, he's going to be playing with the Orioles. I'm not a big time sickler for dates. I'm not a big time. You need to get this, this guy up to the majors as soon as possible, just because the Orioles right now are scuffling, you know, major league team right now is really scuffling. They, 
They've lost a lot of games. They've been dealing with some injuries. And I think to a lot of people, the the solution to the problem that, that the Orioles are going through right now would be to call up Adley Rushman. Clearly, the front office doesn't think like that. They they value Adley's health and Adley's readiness to be on this team long term more than a couple wins in the middle of May. I understand it can be pretty frust. It can be kind of frustrating for for the fans who, at the end of the day, just want wins. I think the majority of the fan base has been very patient through this process, but I think at the end of the day, you are going to see Adley at some point. We don't know when, and but I think at the end of the day, he's going to debut. And I just don't really, I don't, I'm not a big stickler for dates and I don't really care if it's on the, if it's on the road or not. I think that was another reason why a lot of people were a little bit unhappy because they wanted to be, this home series when, when, when the team had a big time home date, I don't really mind either way, whether or not he debuts in the road or not. Like I, I just want him here with the Orioles and if they don't feel like he's ready, you know, I'm not in a position to, to really question them because clearly they are looking at, at certain things and certain factors are telling him that he's just not ready at this point. Okay. So, right. He's not ready. He's not coming up today. He might not be coming up in the next three days. He might not be coming up in the next three weeks. I guess our uh, care or our level of concern would rise gradually over those three weeks. But this gives us an easy opportunity to transition right into our, our, our next category or our next topic. You know, we've got three guys that are top 10 prospects in the whole sport, Adley and DL and Grayson, they're all going to be up this year. They're all going to be Orioles sometime soon, sometime in this calendar year. Uh, and they might not make the Orioles a first place team right away. They might, or they should improve them and improve how they play and improve some of the results in games. But as far as fans who watch the minors and the majors together, I, I, I kind of am wondering about the expectation level for this nucleus of stars. If two years from now, D.L. Hall and Grayson and Adley are still Orioles and they're good players, but they're not all-stars, will they be letdowns? And will they start being a, a letdown type of player if they come up and the Orioles still finish in fifth place with that with that core on our roster. So I don't want to be pessimistic or sound pessimistic, but like as fans and as a fan base, are our expectations for them too high as it is? Um. Yeah, this is a really good topic. I think this is a topic that honestly we knew could talk about for an hour. Just like straight up, just going back and forth, and just like and just like thinking, like, well, like if this happens, what does this do? If this happens, what does that mean? But I think that's a lot of there's a lot of flotsam and jetsam to that. I think there's a lot of factors that that go into whether or not a certain prospect is successful at the majors or not. But I think at the end of the day, while I think Adley, DL Hall, and Grayson can all be very, very, very good players. Um, I think at the end of the day, a baseball team is not one on the foundation of three or four players. 
Now, every rebuild has a core of players that are very good. Cubs had it for years with Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and others. Houston had it with Jose Altuve, George Springer, Carlos Correa. But there was always supplemental pieces around them that made them so good. You know, there was always a Ben Zobris to your to your Chris Bryant. There was always a Yuli Gurriel to your to your um to your Carlos Correa. There's always Great been point. supplemental. There's always been supplemental players around the stars. I think that's what makes the the, the Orioles' future so so bright is that it's not just three. It's not just three people. Or if these three people don't work out, we're going to be screwed. It's not like that. And I mentioned this to you before offcast, Eric, but like when the Orioles eventually do graduate, Adley, Grayson Rodriguez, and Dio Hall, you know, we're not going to be stuck. We're not going to be stuck. You know, we still have so much talent that hasn't even reached the majors yet. We have so much talent that's not even in conversations to be in double A yet. Like think about the amount of talent that is down there at, at the Irony Aberdeen Ironbirds. You're telling me that like out of those 20 plus people that there's not at least a couple supplemental pieces and potentially one star among them. Like you're oh. seriously telling me that like, that like in that group of, and that's just one part of the minor league farm system. We, this is the deepest this farm system has ever been. And I think the issue, the, the, the thing is that even if, the expectations for Adley, Dio Hall, and Grayson Rodriguez are through the roof. If they're really good players, you know what? They're really good players. They are what they are. At the end of it, you know, in maybe in three, four years, they are what they are. But, you know, they're going to have backups to those plans. You know, if Adley's not really what we think he is, well, you know what? We have a lot of catchers down there in the minor leagues bowling out right now. If Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall aren't who we think they are, well, we have pitchers right now who are very good. And you know what? The rotation right now at the major level is surviving without D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. Maybe the offense might scuffle a little bit if Adley isn't who we think he is. But I think at the end of the day, Eric, we have insurance for the for these guys. I think that's what makes me kind of feel like that. You know what? The expectations for these guys might be sky high, but it's not like the Orioles are, are going to fall apart if these if – these, three guys don't work out okay i think that's that's reasonable there's part of me that's like if dl hall is a number two starter and pitches 160 to 180 innings and wins 14 or 15 games then that's that's good enough and then there's a part of me that says that's not even close to good enough but if the team is good and he is part of it then i'll be satisfied with whatever his role is the same with Grayson, the same with Adley, and the same with any of the, like you said, the supplemental pieces or the guys like Drew Rahm or the stars like Gunner and Kerstead that you talked about. I think that's uh, a very reasonable opinion for both of us to have. Now, there's another supplemental piece, and you mentioned the, the Ironbirds that uh, we have not mentioned tonight, and that's a surprise. Uh, that's third base prospect Kobe Mayo. His average has kind of fallen in the last couple of weeks from like the 260s, 250s to the 230s. But his power numbers, his slugging percentage, his on-base stuff has really not fallen drastically. And his prospect standing or his prospect cachet has not changed at all. So 
the idea of Kobe being in a slump is one, you know, even for someone so young, it's really his average might go into a slump. He might have a one for 15 stretch or something like that, or one for 20, but it's it's, it's going to be the one is going to be a double or a home run. And then he's going to hit a few more of them. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing some things and some, some anecdotes too, from, from paying attention to him. Like you mentioned Aberdeen has a lot of good hitters. They have Norby, they have Kowser, they have John Rhodes, they have Dante Williams. But the one that gets pitched to like a true star, like that's the baseball form of respect is Kobe. He gets pitched extremely delicately. If John Rhodes sees four good pitches to hit a night, Kobe might only see one that he can square up and drive. And he's, he's most of the time, he's squaring it up for at least a long fly ball or long foul ball. So his power is not slumping at all. I have a great story about a pitcher that used to be with the Orioles and had been for a couple of years and now they're not. And I talk to him all the time about his lives and his bullpens and his appearances. And he never ever remembered or even noticed or paid attention to the hitters that he was throwing to. Never, never even mentioned him. He said, I threw a live today. Who'd you throw to? Never even knew any of them. This camp season, he started remembering Kobe because Kobe got him so hard for so many doubles and so many home runs. So his power is respected in the organization and what he can do with it is respected by his high A opponents. So to me, that's just a sign, an ultimate sign of, of respect for somebody that really is, he's developing his offensive skill set to go with his outstanding defense right before our eyes. So I, I, I try to mention him as, as much as I can, but, you know, a guy like that going from 260 to 230 average wise doesn't mean that much. And he hit two home runs last night, both absolute lasers. So his power is slump proof at age 20. Yeah, um, I think Kobe Mayo is a really good piece. I think can help it can help the Orioles get get out of a a potential. Well, Yale Hall, Grayson, and Adley aren't the players that we that we thought he was, but well, that, that they were. I think Kobe is one of them. Another one is Gunnar Henderson, who has just so consistent, right? Skyrocketed every every. It, it's amazing about Gunnar is that you know. He has gotten better. My expectations for him have gotten kind of like better and better and better and better as he's grown, as he's grown through the system. They've done a tremendous job with him. And, you know, and those are the type of players I think can help the Orioles, help the Orioles if, if Adley and these guys don't work out. But I think that's the upside is that if, if Adley Grayson and Dio Hall are working out and they are who we thought that they were, well, then, you know what, Eric, now you got all this talent in front of you. And now, right. you know what, you're living big. Like now you, you are, you have hit the hypothetical baseball gold mine. <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of how it feels. It's, it seems like perfect scenario ish, but also it seems like maybe we're driving right towards that. Yeah, it, it just, it, it, it is feel like that, like we are this, this rebuild losing it's getting close to being over it's not i'm not going to say that it's going to be completely over yet because i still think we still have a a pretty long way to go but i think once we get 
a lot of these guys to the majors. And you're going to see such a – we're going to see such a explosion of talent that, like, you know, like fans are going to – like fans who don't follow the minors are going to be shocked when they see these guys come up and just see how yep. good they are. But, like, you know, for listeners and, and for us, like, we already knew just how good these guys were. And I think that's what – and I think that's the dream. And obviously not everything works out that way. But I think that's that's what the – that's, I think, that hypothetical day, you know, it, it, it could be coming. And it could be coming kind of soon. And I think people are letting a couple of tough losses – at the major league level get get in the way of that. And I don't really think I, and I just straight up, I don't really appreciate it. Cause I think that <laughs> when, 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 when you do that, you become very close-minded. I never want to be close-minded about oh, anything. Right. Right. For guys like us and people that believe in the rebuild and its direction, we think big, no matter what happens in a Yankee series, in a race series. And, uh, you know, we're, we're realists. We can be optimists and realists at the same time. And when, you, when we talk about thinking big, there was a prospect that I like a lot, and you're learning to like the more you watch him. And he is a little bit big. He's not the same size as everybody. And your boy, Keith Law, had something to say about him. And uh, so why don't you go ahead and introduce that so I can uh, give my response. All right. When I say this, Keith Law has the dream job. I think Keith Law has one of the one of the best jobs in all of sports. He uh, gets to cover minor league baseball for doesn't a do it as well. He doesn't do it as well as us. He doesn't know the Orioles as yeah, well as you and I. That's the, the, doing it well is, is a total. And what 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 I'm about to say is that doing it well is a total different conversation. Right. What I'm about to say is that. This job that he has is a job that I honestly would die for. I, I think that what he gets to do and, and with the way that he gets to go about it, he has become very successful because I think he is, he knows his stuff. But this Orioles bias that he has is absolutely ridiculous, and he needs to get called out for it. He has said some things that are absolutely just straight up wrong, and now it's getting to a point where his total, where now it's not just wrong, it's downright, it's downright offensive what he said about Creed Williams, saying that he didn't know whether or not he was athletic or enough or whether or not his weight was going to allow him to be a great baseball player. Are you kidding me? Like, can we grow up? Can we grow up a little bit here, Keith Law? You have this amazing job, this amazing platform. And what did you use it to do? And you have used it nothing but to criticize the Orioles. Because I don't know whether or not he does it, Eric, because it, it's, it's so not – it's so beyond what the consensus consensus thinks that he like he wants to be the, the contrarian. He just does it for reviews, or if he actually like honestly thinks like this. But you know what? You can call Grayson Rodriguez a back end starter all you want. You can criticize 
him for not going five innings all you want. But when we start bringing these these prospects, these kids' personal like person personality and and things that make them them like weight into it, I think you have gone too far, and I think that he needs to be seriously ridiculed for it. I'm and, not gonna I'm not gonna ridicule him for it, but I'm gonna say. Uh, the reason that Keith Law is not that good at his job and he just does it is because he doesn't go by results enough. He is a speculator. So he's speculating that someone who's not the same shape as everybody else is not going to get great results. His results are starting to be pretty good. He has two triples this week. Runners can't steal on him. His pop times are exclusive and elite. He is a good athlete. Why are you ignoring, Keith Law, the results that are right in front of you and focusing, for some reason, on his waist size? I just, I just, I just don't understand that. It is a form of body shaming. So when Keith Law doesn't know all the actual dirt, he fills it in with fluff, like a bad crab cake. So I just don't. I would never use my platform for anything like that. It's not my it's not my place to comment on anybody's body. Now, remember he is a speculator, so he can he's allowed to say, I think it won't be great because of this, or I, I think it won't, you know, whatever the this can be. It can be his body, his habits, his personality, his family, his background. I'm learning all these things about him, and that's why I'm so invested in him. That's why I think people like Keith Law are very wrong. But, again, the results are right there. He had an outstanding amateur career. If you look at my Twitter, some of the people from his hometown that chime in talk about how great of a pitcher he was, how he was their shortstop, how he had a a full ride at uh, college, a, a full scholarship to be a starter as a freshman. Like, this is not an average or unskilled athlete at all. So when you focus on his body, you're ignoring all of that, all of his athletic background and all the accomplishments. And I think for someone with Keith Law's platform, that is so, so very wrong. I'm not going to ridicule him, but I disagree with it so much. And if you just watch a Delmarva game and watch his effect on the team already as a teenager, you would see Keith Law that you're you're just wrong. You're incorrect to focus on on his waist size, which is ridiculous. So, thanks for asking me. Thanks for setting me up, Keith Law. You are. I will say on my podcast, you are a jerk for ignoring Creed Williams' accomplishments and focusing on what his body looks like today at age eighteen. Yeah, it's it's just total. It's not like criticize him for actual like things about about baseball i think he did start off there oh and 20 so you could say he's prone to bad slumps or bad starts but after that he turned it around so just focus on what he does and and like it's just like his overall just like demeanor with the organization it's it's just it's it, it was just the the final nail in the coffin for me i've had my disagreements of him for years but this just this this creed williams episode of keith law was just the nail in the coffin i've, I've had enough of keith law 
I'm at right. a point where I just don't take his opinion seriously. I don't care if he does get if he does have a decent track record or, or whatever. Honestly, I don't care. I, I, I'm just done taking taking his opinion. We and, watch more minor league baseball than he does. Yeah, and it, it's just it's 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 so it's just wrong to do it. We we've, we've talking about it. I'm gonna move on. It's it's wrong. It's bad. So I think with that, let's get to some good news, Eric. We we've okay. been. I feel like the, the vibe has been a little bit negative today. Okay. So I want to get some good news. Um, Nick Vespi, Eric, it happened. He's on the major league team now. He got called up, and the first thing I want to say is just like congratulations to Nick Vespi. If you want a story about a guy that just worked that just grinded that just did had had everything in front of him tell him that he wasn't good enough to be a major league to be a major league pitcher and now you see where he is in terms of just being called up to the success he's had in triple a he has fought through some real adversity eric we mentioned many times about how he wasn't protected on the 40-man roster he could have been easily taken in the rule five draft and he works through all of it to make this level. So obviously I just wanted to say congratulations to him. Totally deserved. And I honestly think, Eric, that this is not just a cup of coffee. You know, they designated Paul Fry for assignment and traded yeah. him. Right. They, um, they, they sent Logan Allen through waivers and they sent him down the AAA. Yep. He's here to stay. I don't think Good he's point. going anywhere. Correct. Uh so yeah, he's going to be the Nick's going to be the left-handed, uh, moderate leverage portion of their bullpen, and I could not be uh, more happy and more proud. But I also could not be more satisfied as an Orioles fan because he earned it, being good in the minor league system that I cover and root for, and now he's going to do it for the major league team that I support wholeheartedly. So very happy for Nick. Uh, he has yet to get into a game uh, as an Oriole, but very happy for him and very happy for his family. Uh, you know, we, I always like to look at things from another perspective, and this is a great way. All the people that posted the Instagram story of his call-up, remember, he was drafted in 2015. So that's a very long time ago. A lot of the people that are commenting, even some that were drafted in 2015, have been out of baseball for years. Some of them are baseball coaches. So it's just some of them are still players in the system too. So it's really run the gamut, like to show in the time since he was drafted to when he got to the majors, the Orioles system has gone through hundreds of people, several different executives and decision makers choosing his fate. So the circumstances of him making it got less and less and his skill and his ability to get people out got better and better. So just a weird kind of baseballish convergence of circumstances and kind of just like Adley, when he's up in the bigs, I'm confident that he's going to be doing good things to help the Orioles win. So whenever he starts being utilized or whatever his role is, as far as storylines for the season, I'm optimistic and excited to see Vespi's fit in a, in a major league bullpen. I never doubted it. Not at all, not for one day, not for one appearance. So I kind of feel a little validated. 
but I'm an Orioles fan. I want to see him striking out Yankees, striking out Rays, striking out Blue Jays, and contributing to wins. Now that he's up, he can. So, uh, great topic, and I'm super excited about Nick. Yeah, that was really just awesome and heartwarming to see all those people just kind of post about Bespy. That just kind of, like, speaks. I think that also speaks to kind of, like, just, like, the personality and the person – that he is just going outside of baseball for a quick second. I think people really right. like to be, be around him. I think, you know, I think he's, he's just like been a really big leader as just like a, 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 a person to these guys as they figure out their way through the minors, just to see somebody like that find success. You it's know, just like, there's not like another, I don't think there's a bad, I don't think there was a person who was upset about this being called? I no, just, I don't, I, I didn't see it. I know that even though he's young in baseball, pro baseball experience, he is an excellent teacher and an outstanding communicator. I know during the lockdown when there was no baseball, he did not have a job. I arranged for him. He lives near uh, a friend of mine, my, my closest friend, my a super Orioles fan from Baltimore now lives in the Palm beach area and his sons are getting into baseball. So I got Nick to give his son a private lesson. And now they talk all the time. My friend's son is a left-handed pitcher like Nick and his body type is kind of like Nick's. So they became friends. So he's even like a coach to my friend's son while he's trying to get to the major leagues. So just all around a, a, a great guy, from a great family and you're right when the mood is down bring up nick Vespi getting called up and it's a reason that every orioles fan can kind of like put their hands in the air and be happy yeah i just i was i was just so happy for nick he just right. no one no one at the point or deserved a call up more more than nick Vespi. i just don't Correct. think even I more than adley yeah totally just because at least for Adley, like the injuries and like the, the the injury and like him rehabbing and everything, there was no point for Vespi to spend another day in AAA. No uh-huh. one had earned it more than than Vespi, and I totally. think that's what made it so good for me, Eric. Is that it was just so, it was such a hard earned hard earned call up after everything he's been through. It was just, you know, and I just I I, I hope he gets in a game, a shot at some point. I really don't think that he is a cup of coffee type of guy. I no. think the, I think the Paul Fry um, trade slash uh, this DFA and the Logan Allen um, outright to, to AAA was very telling. I think they actually see Vespi as a long-term piece of the bullpen. And I just could not be more happier for, for Vespi. So going down to the lower minors, I've mentioned it in previous shows. Uh, I live in Sarasota near the Orioles uh, minor league complex. Right now they have uh, what's called extended spring training going on until the end of June. Um, Because of the minor league movements, there's a couple new names. There's a couple players that have been elevated from here. So I just wanted to talk about the guys that have moved on from the complex into the minors. Uh, This might even be kind of news to you. So uh, in the last couple days, two right-handed pitchers have gone from the complex to 
Aberdeen, I believe, uh, Angel Vargas and Joel Benitez, two guys that I've seen this season and last season. Um, both are primarily two-pitch pitchers. Vargas has a fastball and a slider. Benitez has a fastball and more of like a cutter and change of speed. So I guess that's really two and a half pitches. But they haven't like overperformed. They haven't done great in the complex. They've had good, solid innings. So a few good, solid innings, a few good performances in a row, uh, some good data, some good metrics, some good endorsements from the trainers, and you can move from the complex right to high A. So uh, good for Angel Vargas and good for Joel Benitez. I look for them to be like right-handed, mid-level relief for the uh, Ironbirds as some uh, pitcher movement starts happening around them. Did you even know that that happened? Um, I don't think I was. I'm usually pretty locked into like the, the movement. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit tough because sometimes that stuff isn't really reported by the by the beat reporters. Obviously, I think um, BSL on the Verge, the the other um, Orioles minor league podcast, is very good about keeping up with um, with the movement of, of the minors. I think that that they that they totally keep me updated in terms of who's coming, who's who's not. Um, but I think I might have lost a little bit of track in terms of the guys who get sent to the who get sent up and down from the GCL. Sometimes it is tough, tough to get information about well, that's that. That's what because, I'm for. Yeah. Obviously, that's, that's why we have you, because you are kind of our, 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 eye, our eye in the sky down there. So those two guys are gone, and there's uh, another couple guys that are now here and on the roster. Uh, one of them, he played first, and he's listed online as a shortstop. His name is Rubio Castillo. And his first game that I saw, I think it was his debut stateside, was uh, yesterday. And he hit a long over-the-wall home run to left field. So Arubio Castillo is one guy to know. And then a name that I mentioned before, a catcher, Carlos Rodriguez C-Rod from Venezuela, threw somebody out and hit a home run right after Castillo. So they went back-to-back. So there's some good... Uh, learning and some good progress and a lot of good uh, talent on the field in, in, in Sarasota. Yeah, it is super exciting, especially for, for the potential international pipeline coming up. This is where they first get their, get their starts. Been pretty, I've been kind of um, looking over at your tweets. I've been kind of really impressed with like some of the other guys that have been kind of coming up and a guy that kind of want to get into a, get into kind of a little bit, after after we we take a quick after we take a uh, really really quick quick break right here. All right, and we are back here at Utah Street South after a short little break. So before we move up from the GCL to the Delaware Shorebirds, Eric, I want to really quickly kind of touch on one player that's kind of been catching my eye down there. Been reading your stories on, on, on Instagram and Twitter. If you haven't already, of course, followed Eric at Eric underscore Birdland on Twitter. He's always out there posting about the games. Uh, one name that really stuck out to me was one of the Orioles' main international signings from a couple of years ago, and the young, tall shortstop in Mike Cal Hernandez. 
Um, this is one of the names that kind of stood out to me when I first heard about the, 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 the signing. This is back in 2020 when there wasn't a lot of baseball to be talking to be talked about. And Michael Hernandez was always one name that kind of really stood out to me. He's got a very long swing, powerful kind of guy. He, and, but I think he's really impressed me uh, defensively. So Eric, um, would you like to talk about Michael Hernandez a little bit? No, I'd like to talk about him a lot, but for the purposes of time and other topics, I'll summarize it by saying that your observations are on point. He's really tall. I guess I've been paying attention to him and seeing him at camps for like the better part of a year and a half. And I think that's important because like a while ago, he had a very different build. He was, he's always tall and long limbed, but he was very slender. And now he's closer to very muscular, a lot of muscle through his legs and a lot of upper body and shoulders and even extending to his arms. So again, we always talk about results. He's hitting the ball farther. He had a double to the wall in yesterday's game and he's hitting the ball louder and harder. So the outfielder has to turn faster, has to make a move. So as we're seeing the changes in his body, the results are there too, but it certainly has not affected his movements in the field. He's very, like uh, I compare Frederick Pencosme to Ray Ordonez, like uh, Michael Hernandez, the way he moves defensively, I can understand why people have compared him to Alex Rodriguez. He's tall, long-legged, and that tallness and long-leggedness helps his defensive movements, his pivots, his throws, everything. Uh, the other day I put up a play where he's coming across from shortstop like diagonally towards the first base dugout. He had a short hop play right into the glove, beautiful transition on the run, one leg, throw to first, chest-high throw, beat the uh, runner by a full step. That was a major league play. I was major league excited. So uh, if you want to see what play that is, just go to my uh, page and type in Michael, M-A-I-K-O-L. So I, I, when I look at him, the Orioles team right now, and compare them against other teams, he is one guy for sure that could start on every single team that I've, I've seen. So he's basically the star, the Orioles star of extended spring training so far. And he's missed a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm glad he's back and contributing like right away. Super exciting player. Yeah. Just exciting player. Can't wait to see what he does throughout his career, career in the minor leagues. Um, so let's move up a little bit and kind of talk about one team that got off to a really slow start, but has really turned it around. The Delmarva Shorebirds, Eric, they've oh, yeah. been hot as, as of late. They're hot. They're officially hot. Correct. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that, like, some of these younger players are finding their groove a little bit right now. Uh, Creed Williams, obviously, you know, we, we, we talked about Williams in terms of, you know, what Keith Law said about him, but... And I forgot to mention that, you know, he's been working his way out of the slump and he's been hitting insanely well these last couple of weeks. They've had a couple other um, hitters and pitchers doing really well for themselves. And Eric, we're seeing, I think we are seeing the birth of a young team come together and start to figure it out a little bit. And it's so beautiful. If I have a podcast at all, it is for the reason of telling you and everybody that's listening 
that Josue Cruz is breaking out of his slump. And tonight, Moises Ramirez is breaking out of his slump. He is two for three with three RBIs, and Delmarva's up six to four on uh, Fredericksburg. If they win, it will be their fifth win in a row, making them more than officially hot, like warm or scalding or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, some great things can happen when you get a couple bounces and your effort and your results kind of line up. You get a, a good pitching, you play good defense, you have a star like Daryl in the middle of your lineup, and positive things can happen. So I've been waiting for a good streak, and this is that good streak I've been waiting for. They're a great mix of personality and talent and outstanding skill, and Delmarva is not going to be a walkover team like it looked like they were going to be all throughout uh, April. As an Orioles minor league fan, talking about Delmarva, how hot they are and how much potential they can be is, is one of my absolute favorite topics. Yeah, totally. They got a young team down there. They're starting to figure it out. They seemingly just – right now, they, I, I think definitely they are the hottest team in, in the minor leagues. Yep, yep. Uh, for the Orioles minor leagues. I don't know just, – just full minor leagues, but they are definitely the hottest team in the Orioles – minor leagues. So Eric, I think before we kind of let, let our guests get, get out of here real quickly, um, you had some, some names of some, of some players that you really wanted to talk about today. Well, it's kind of like I went down an Orioles low minors pitching rabbit hole because we talk about the offense and we talk about some of the bigger names, but the draft is coming up. We want to look at who the Orioles are going to be taking and what kind of profile as far as not the top of the draft. So there's a couple guys that I've been paying attention to for the last few weeks, and they're really hot, like very hot, like dominant hot. Houston Raw, if you look at his uh, stats, his whip for the year is 1.09. He's 3-0 and for his career. He's 15 and four in 40 games. His career whip is 1.15. Maybe people should be starting to pay a little bit more attention to Houston Roth or someone like Shane Davis. His whip for the year is 1.19, 40 Ks in 33 innings. He's one and three, but I don't go by decisions. And he's been pitching for Delmarva, a team that had some pretty rough luck in April. One and three with a 1.19 whip, 40 Ks, in 33 innings then we go to Aberdeen with Connor Gillespie this guy was the uh whatever league that it's the South Atlantic the, he was the pitcher of the week Connor is three and one this year and in his 30 innings his whip is 1.1 with 40 strikeouts for his career 130 innings 140 strikeouts 1.15 whip so a lot of these guys are are not high draft picks, but are progressing the way that college experienced pitchers should be doing. Justin Armbruster, 12th round from New Mexico. In his 31 innings, his whip isn't even one yet. It's .96, and he has 35 strikeouts with a 2.9 ERA. That's on fire. That guy, you might have to call him up. So a lot of these guys are doing just so well. Nobody's paying attention to. Peter Van Loon. 4-0, 26 strikeouts in 21 innings, a great appearance last night. Alex Pham just got out of the complex, eight innings, 
11 strikeouts, low ERA. Daniel Lloyd, 21 innings, 23 strikeouts, 1.05. So you mentioned at the beginning, like, the supporting names, and there's so many outside critics talking about the Orioles' lack of pitching. I just named six guys that really nobody is talking about. They're all dominant this year. Actually, it was seven. So they're all dominant. So if Angel Vargas and Joe Benitez can get to a level like that where they're just helping teams every time out, then the Orioles system is going to stay ranked in the top 10. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to mention all those pitchers. I've kind of been wanting to get it, get their, their names in for a little while. Uh, Totally. This is obviously a space that we allow that, you know, we, we, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because I know that you have such a knowledge of this system and we can, if I can bring, if we can bring um, just knowledge in, in, in an overall, just a, kind of giving these 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 lower level guys and these guys and not a lot of people talk about the spotlight that i think we're we're doing our job here on this on this podcast totally this agree is, you know we love the adleys we love the hall we love grayson rodriguez but this is the reason why that we don't support the cupboard is bare theory this is the reason why the cupboard isn't bare you just gotta look a little you just gotta look you just gotta look for the for the you you don't even have to look for it. It's right there. It's like the all the all the dishes and cups are right there in the cupboard. <laughs> you're not looking at it. You're, you're you're focusing too much on really the fact that not every maybe not every single cup is perfect, but you're focusing on the fact that 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 these cups might have a little bit of flaws, and I think that is causing people to overlook the system. So with that all out of the way, Eric, do you have um, anything you would like to add before we let, let these guys go? I think we hit on everything. Another uh, great series of topics and another good conversation. Um, Hopefully more people will listen. And uh, no, I think, I think we, we hit on everything, but I guarantee you when we get in touch to talk about more stuff, we'll come up with great topics for next week as well. I look forward to that. Yeah, I look forward to um, that as well. I think that's going to do it for us tonight. And I think with that said, thank you guys so much for listening. And remember to check back next week on the next episode of Utah Street South. Thank you so much for Thank you so so much for listening. We, We appreciate the support and take care.